0: Welcome to Gestational Diabetes Club. I'm your host, Helena, dietitian, nutritionist, vegetable enthusiast, and big fan of strong coffee and dark chocolate. Join me here each week to chat about all things gestational diabetes. We'll cover everything you need to know about your nutrition, lifestyle, and all the messy bits in between so that you can feel empowered to optimize your blood sugar, grow a healthy baby and create sustainable healthy habits to last a whole lifetime without the stress, overwhelm, guilt or confusion. Thanks so much for joining me and I hope you love it here. Hello and welcome back to Gestational Diabetes Club, the podcast. My name is Helena and I am your host and dietitian. And today we're talking all about carbohydrates and whether or not you should go low carbohydrate because I'm sure that that is a question that has crossed your mind at some point since being diagnosed with gestational diabetes. So we'll get straight into it. I'm sure you just want the goss and want to know exactly what you should be eating, how much, whether you need to increase your carbs, decrease your carbs. You just want me to tell you what to do. So we'll talk all about it, but I did want to just say at the start of this episode that it might be a longer one and we're going into some of the evidence and research and studies that have been done on this topic. So it's going to be a lot of numbers thrown around. Hopefully I don't lose you at any point. I'm going to do my best to put things into context so that you can stay with me and have a good grasp on what I'm talking about. And particularly at the end, I'll give you an example of what the recommendation is in terms of food. So what that looks like for a typical day on a plate. Um, But yeah, I just wanted to let you know that it might be a little bit dense compared to some of our other topics already. So anyway, let's talk about it. Um, And I guess actually another thing just to clarify is that we all have a different interpretation of low carb and high and low carb. You know, like me deciding to go low carb might be somebody else's regular carb intake or vice versa. So we all have a completely definition of what low carb means. um, But in this episode, we're going to be talking about what the research defines as low carb and high carb so that we've got a reference point to be able to discuss this. And so how you interpret that in terms of your diet might be different. So the recommendations at the end might be for you low carb or it might be high carb. So just keep that in mind. Hopefully that makes sense. But we're just going to be talking about the research definitions. So first of all, I thought it would be helpful if we just refresh our memories on what foods actually contain carbohydrates. I know this can seem relatively basic. Hopefully you do already have an idea about this, but I do think it's important just for us to wrap our head around before we get more into this. So it's not, it's not just the typical things like bread, pasta and rice that we typically think of. Um, carbohydrates come in all shapes and sizes. We find carbohydrates in loads of different foods. So we've got the grains category, which is those things like bread, rice, pasta, cereal, quinoa, couscous, buckwheat, oats, those other types of whole grains that you might come across. And then we've got some of those other more obvious things. So, uh, lollies, juices, soft drinks, cakes, biscuits, muffins. All the kind of junkier stuff, I suppose, that we, we know is higher in sugar and therefore higher in carbohydrates. Then we've got vegetables, so potatoes, sweet potato and corn, There's some of the heavy hitters with carbohydrates. And then there are carbs in some other veggies that we don't factor in as much. So things like carrot and potato, they have carbs too. Um, similarly in legumes, so beans, lentils and chickpeas, they've got a fair amount of carbs um, and so does fruit and dairy foods so particularly yogurt and milk and some of those plant-based non-dairy alternatives as well so that's kind of the spectrum of carbohydrates that we find in our food and when we're talking through these diets we're talking about all of those foods and not just kind of the grains category so keep that in mind And the next thing to note is that a lot of people might be familiar with a general recommendation to eat about 30 to 45 grams of carbohydrates per meal with about 15 grams per snack. I feel like that's a pretty, um, that's a pretty common recommendation that people hear. And again, that might mean that for some people that feels like an increase in carb intake. And for some people that might feel like you're eating way less than before important number to keep in your head is 175 grams total because that is generally the number that we see across guidelines telling us that that's the minimum amount of carbohydrates that is recommended to eat per day when you have gestational diabetes so 175 grams total carbohydrates and again bear in mind that that's including all types of carbs not just the obvious ones And we'll come back to that number, but I'm just going to jump around a little bit here and tell you what the research gives us in terms of definitions for high carb and low carb. So high carb is usually defined as around 50 to 65% of total calories coming from carbohydrates and low carb is considered about 35 to 45% of total calories coming from carbs or less than that, obviously. So when we apply this to a typical calorie requirements for a woman with gestational diabetes, as per the Australian nutrient reference values, and yes, calorie requirements are going to absolutely differ from person to person. There's huge variation there, but we're just talking about typical calorie requirements based off the Australian guidelines, again, just for the ease of being able to put some of these numbers into context, 175 grams of carbs in that context would be roughly 35% of total calories. So that would make that 175 gram number low carb. So that's usually considered the minimum amount of carbohydrates required as per the guidelines, like I said. But there actually hasn't been very much definitive research into the ideal amount of carbohydrates for women to be eating um, for quite a long time. And that 175 gram number has come from I don't know, sort of murky backgrounds, I suppose. So it's, it seems like it stemmed from a study that was done quite a long time ago, back in 1990. Women in this study were prescribed to have less than 40% of their calories coming from carbs. So we know it was a low-carbohydrate diet. And they found that typically the babies were on like the 50th or 60th percentile for their gestational age. So it seemed like a good threshold. But when you actually look at this study, there were quite a lot of flaws in there. So, you know, for example, there was, it was a relatively small number of women, but bear in mind that it's always hard to get research participants, especially in this kind of a population group. Um, so there were, I think there were about 30. There was no comparison group. Adherence wasn't actually measured. So we don't even know whether the women did uh, stick to this diet, whether they actually did eat less than 40% of their calories from carbs. And it seems like they were probably also in a calorie deficit that wasn't controlled for. So we don't know if they were even eating enough calories overall, which makes it difficult to determine whether the outcome that we saw was actually attributed to their carbohydrate intake or whether it was more likely related to their overall food intake. So I guess that 175 gram number doesn't have like a lot behind it starting to come out around this topic, which is amazing because we've got a little bit more to go off in terms of what recommendations to make. So more recently, we had a study in 2016 that compared two groups. So one group had about 60% of their total calories coming from carbs and the other group had about 40%. So if we go back to that reference point, that's looking at a high carb intake versus a low carb intake. And in this study, they actually provided all of the food for seven weeks, which means that it was much more controlled than that previous study that I talked about because we actually know what these women ate. So remember I said that we don't even know what the women ate in the previous study where they could have been eating anything because they didn't measure the adherence. In this study, we know what they were having because it was given to them. And it was actually found that the people in the high carbohydrate group, so having about 60% of their calories coming from carbs, had improvements in their fasting blood sugar level, which is associated with better growth outcomes. Um, They had improvements in their free fatty acid profile in their blood, which is amazing for overall health, improvements in insulin sensitivity, improvements in inflammation markers and in infant adiposity, so that means fat stores in your baby. So there's some pretty incredible outcomes that give us a clue into thinking that that higher carb intake seems beneficial. And it was only a small study, so we can't put all of our eggs into that basket, I suppose, but it's quite promising in thinking that, like I said, we can have a bit more leeway in terms of carb intake. The most recent evidence that is the most important to highlight, I would say, is a systematic review that was completed in 2022. And so a systematic review is our highest level of evidence. It gives us the most confirmational confidence in a particular outcome, because what that means is that they've pulled together all of the research that they could find on the topic to give a summary, basically. So this systematic review looked at 11 studies that had been done on this topic And they found that on average, the best range of carbohydrates was 47 to 70% of carbohydrates coming, sorry, of calories coming from carbohydrates. So that's considered a high carb diet. And this, in terms of some of the actual numbers, would look like about 260 to 385 grams of carbs. So, and that's just based on that same kind of calorie reference point that I've been using. So, Compared to 175 grams per day, that's quite a lot more. That's quite a lot more where we're seeing better outcomes. Just an Important note on this systematic review, they only included one study that actually looked at the difference between carbs and calorie intake. So none of the other studies actually separated these two things out But I mean, you can think logically, we would know that overall calorie intake would also have an impact on your baby's growth and some of those other factors. So one study actually did separate the two out so that we could look at them as independent variables. We found, interestingly enough, that if somebody was eating less than 47% of their total calories from carbs, that was associated with a lower birth weight, which is a negative outcome. So what that means is that even if you are eating enough overall, carbs still play a really important role in the growth and development of your baby. So you do need to be making sure that you're getting an adequate amount. Based on all of this research, it seems like we want to be aiming for at least about 50% of your total calories coming from carbohydrates. So this is about 280 grams of carbs, like I said, and I want to try and paint a picture for you in terms of what this would look like food wise. So, and again, just remember that this is based on that calorie reference point, based on what a typical person with gestational diabetes would need um, as per the Australian guideline, okay? So, in terms of food, this would be something like having a cup of porridge, half a cup of milk, one slice of toast and a banana for breakfast, followed by an apple for morning tea, a sandwich with salad and tuna for lunch, a tub of yogurt for afternoon tea, one cup of pasta with a meat-based sauce and vegetables for dinner and then a cup of milk for supper. Depending on what your current diet looks like that could be quite an increase in carbs or it might be a real decrease in carbs. Everyone is going to be really different um, but that is I suppose a moderate amount of carbohydrates. That's like I said about 50% of that reference point of calories coming from carbs and that is kind of that lower end of what the recommendations are at this point based on the evidence. So when we're looking at having about 50 to 70% coming from carbs, that's about 50%. So there's room to go up from there as well. But what I would definitely say is that we still need more research in this area. Like based on what we know so far, I'm not super, super, super confident in saying that we know exactly how much carbohydrate is ideal for you to be eating. And On top of that, I think that it's likely to be really, really different for everybody because we know that everybody's body functions in slightly different ways. We all have different food preferences. We have different lifestyles, different needs. Um, So we just, we really can't give an exact number for everyone. And everyone's got different levels of insulin resistance and carbohydrate tolerance. How much carbohydrate is right for you, it might be different to how much is right for somebody else. But... I like to take the general approach that if we can keep a particular food or food group into your diet, then we should, particularly because having a variety of different foods in the diet has so many benefits. And when we're talking about carbohydrates, we know that there's loads of benefits in terms of energy levels. And in particular, your brain is thought to need about 130 grams of carbs per day alone just to function. So again, let's put that into context. That's about half of what we're recommending here. So we need energy for your brain, for your muscles, for your gut health. And there's emerging evidence as well that I might go into on another episode that having a higher carbohydrate intake is really beneficial for your gut microbiome. And you can pass that on to your baby as well. And that's associated with some positive health outcomes. You get a wide range of macronutrients and enjoyment and sustainability of this diet. Like carbs taste good. And that's I think that's the long and the short of it. We all like carbs and I don't know if I believe you that much if you say that you don't. And it is so much easier to stick to a way of eating that you actually like. So if you actually like the food that you're eating, you're much more able to, you know, see this gestational diabetes thing through and get better blood sugar levels. So I think that's actually a really important point. And carbohydrates, you know, for some people they can feel really nice and filling and satisfying and make the meal feel like it's a complete meal. You know, everyone, like I said, has different food preferences and different ways of eating, but there's there's lots of positives to keeping carbs in the diet. So I guess if going low carb is something that's still appealing to you, and if for you that means that you're primarily reducing your intake of some of those less nutritious options like cakes and chocolates and biscuits and things like that, then I would say go for it. Um, And no, side note, like those foods can definitely still exist in a healthy diet. But if you're giving them up whilst you've got gestational diabetes and that's working for you and you're feeling better for it and seeing better blood sugar numbers, then that's cool. But if you're going low carb and you're restricting lots of whole foods, so things like fruits and certain vegetables and some of those grains and, you know, just lots of lovely whole foods, then I would be a little bit more concerned about that. And I would be very cautious that you are ensuring that you are getting the right amount of total calories and energy. So making sure that your diet is adequate in general and making sure that you're getting all of those other things that we get from carbs, like making sure you're getting enough micronutrients and that you're looking after your gut health and that you're thinking about what the evidence actually does suggest around carbohydrates. Because I just, I know that logically it can seem like cutting out carbs is the way to go because you know carbs raise up blood sugar, so therefore we should cut them out. But It's just not what the evidence supports at this point. So if you are thinking that you should cut all your carbs out, I would really invite you to reconsider and just reflect on what actually is best for you at the moment. And definitely work with a professional if you're in that boat where you don't really like eating carbs and you're cutting them out because you feel like it supports your blood sugar and because you feel better doing that, then get some assistance just to make sure that you're ticking off all of your nutritional requirements. Um, yeah I guess to summarize the main things for you to remember are to eat enough overall ensure that you're getting about half of your total calories from carbohydrates and from a variety of different sources so getting those grains vegetables like potatoes legumes like beans lentils and chickpeas um, dairy foods and what else did I say fruit all of the all of the lovely foods out there in the world And don't feel guilty about eating carbs. Don't feel pressured by other people's opinions on whether or not you should be eating carbohydrates. Like, let's just be guided by what the evidence says. And the evidence says that carbs are in. Carbs are in for 2023. So I hope this gives you some peace of mind and reassurance that you can safely be including these foods and enjoying these foods, knowing that it is supported by the research. And yes, so I hope that that is ending on a positive note for you. And thank you so much for listening. I always appreciate you tuning in. And if you did find this episode helpful, I would absolutely love if you could share with somebody or leave me a review. I would love to hear from you. Um, And yeah, that's, that's it from me for today. So have a great day. Bye. That is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you haven't already, please make sure that you subscribe or hit the plus button so that you can get new episodes delivered straight to your podcast app every week. And if you did find this episode useful, I would appreciate it so, so much if you could leave a rating and review or share it with a friend. It helps me reach more people so that I can help them take some of the stress out of gestational diabetes too. And if you want to keep learning about all things gestational diabetes, head to my website to find all the ways that I can support you. Thanks so much. Chat soon. Bye.